just before we start the show, I want to take an opportunity to invite you to join me for the Podfluence Weekly Newsletter, which is available both on LinkedIn and through the official newsletter channel. Now, if you are on LinkedIn and it's easier for you to follow there, then please just click on the link in the show notes, which will take you straight to Podfluence on LinkedIn, where you can subscribe for free and get weekly updates on Podfluence articles as well as episodes. If you would like to subscribe to the full newsletter where you'll get additional materials and, as my little incentive to you, my pre-podcast guest checklist for you to use when you're appearing on podcast shows so that you can be fully prepared every single time, then please click the link to the official newsletter in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to episode 101 of Speaking Influence. Now, this episode, I'm celebrating and I'm also flying solo as well as riding high because we have just hit 100 episodes of Speaking Influence. It's taken some time to get here and I'm glad that we have and very nearly we didn't and I'll tell you more about that in the episode. I wanted to take this episode as an opportunity to talk, but not too much, about why I even started a podcast and what I've learned along the way and hoping that that is going to be interesting to you. The reason for that is because I'm getting asked to talk about podcasting a lot now and I love talking about it. It's not really been a topic that I expected to be talking about in my public speaking life but there we are. I'm doing it and having a great time doing it and now creating courses and programs around podcasting because of the demand that I've been receiving for it. That was unexpected and an unexpected thing that I'm very happy about. I do believe that podcasting is rapidly becoming a force majeure in the world of content creation and broadcasting. And it really is only just getting started. I don't really trust the people who say that podcasting is already saturated. I don't believe it for a moment. The fact that there are over 30 million YouTube channels doesn't seem to stop anybody starting a YouTube channel. And the fact that there are over 5 million blogs doesn't seem to stop anyone starting blogs. So the fact that there are somewhere around 2 million podcasts, probably more than that now, and it's estimated that about three quarters of those are inactive. Either they've run their course or the podcasters have given up, had pod fade and quit their shows probably for various reasons which I will bring up as to some of the reasons why I nearly quit my show along this way as well. So when I say that it's amazing to have made it to 100 episodes, I really mean that. And to also hit just a couple of days later, 5,000 downloads of the show, we're now in, in excess of that at time of recording this, that gives me hope. <laughs> People are listening to the show and enjoying it as well. And some of you are sharing it out and supporting the show. And I really appreciate that. Anytime you listen, anytime you click on a link, anytime you visit the Supercast page and buy me a coffee, it all goes towards helping to support the show and making Speaking Influence a show that can continue to bring you great guests and great conversations about influence and persuasion. So this isn't just going to be me reminiscing about 100 episodes of Speaking Influence. 
it really is going to be me sharing my lessons and sharing some of the reasons why I think that podcasting is still a great medium to be getting involved with. In fact, one of the things I talk a lot about now is why now is exactly the right time to be starting a podcast. It's a great way to establish thought leadership. It's a great way to increase your credibility and it is a fantastic networking tool. All will be revealed as I share with you my journey into podcasting, my challenges, my wins, my successes, my recommendations, and what the future holds for Speaking Influence. This is not my first go at recording this episode, but I really did not want to make it some long rambling talk about my show, but rather something that is fairly incisive and a little bit more compact, especially as it's just me for the duration of the show. So I hope you'll stay tuned and look out for that. I certainly want to let you know what's coming up for the next 100 episodes and beyond for Speaking Influence. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Speaking Influence, the show that explores the psychology and application of ethical influence and persuasion in life and business with persuasive presentations and podcasting coach, Johnny Ball. If you have an online business, you need to work on list building. The easiest way to get started for free is ConvertKit. It's recommended by industry pros like Pat Flynn, Chris Ducker, and our very own Johnny Ball. Click the link in the show notes and start building your list today. Welcome to the show. All I really want to do is talk about some of the key moments of the journey so far, the key learnings that may be helpful or at least interesting to you. This isn't the Academy Awards or anything like that, so I'm not going to do any long thank you speeches, but there are a couple of people that I do need to thank for very specific reasons. Aida Diaz-Ajero was with me for my very first show and helped me get things started and plan it out. It was originally a Toastmasters project and... She helped me so much with that and was my co-host and we had a lot of fun and it's still up there. You can still listen to it. I'm still very pleased with that show. I think it gives you a sense about what I was aiming for when I started the show, what I thought it would be about and what I thought would be interesting for people to listen to. And I still like it. I, I can still go back and listen to it and think, yeah, that was a fun conversation. I do think the show has evolved so much since then. However, I think that's still very much a part of what I'm about and what the show is about. And even though we focused a lot on perhaps the darker side and psychology of influence and persuasion, it still fits very well into the whole ecosystem of speaking influence. When the show started, it wasn't called Speaking Influence. It was called the Loki Podcast, L-O-Q-U-I. Loki being Latin for speaking. And I guess it was, I thought it was clever. It maybe was a bit pretentious. I'm not sure now, but certainly nobody really got it. And few people thought it was about the God of Mischief. If only, that would have been great, right? The TV series was fantastic. That probably would have given me some good some good publicity when that came out. But when it came to what the show, what I really wanted the show to be about, it wasn't just speaking in the end. It was primarily about influence and persuasion and still connecting that with public speaking skills because those things go very much hand in hand. But the primary interest of people who tune into the show even though many of them are speakers and professional speakers or or want to be professional speakers or doing a lot of public speaking work, 
the primary interest is the influence and persuasion side, which is so critical for those elements and beyond as well. Because let's face it, we're all presenting at various points in our life, in our professional lives, whether that's as a speaker on a stage or speaking to a board or networking with a group or perhaps pitching for business. There are so many different ways of presenting and we need to be as influential, as ethically influential and persuasive as we can be on those platforms to be as successful as we can be. There was one other person I need to thank, which is Vicky Wushe, who really introduced me to some people who were able to help connect with guests for the show, because one of my biggest challenges getting started was finding guests. Even just a couple of years ago, it was a lot harder to find people to come on the show than it is now. Now it's really easy. Now booking guests is one of the least of my problems. In fact, I probably get far more applications than I can deal with some of the time. And all those things have calmed down a bit now. I, I still get lots of regular applications and many of them from fantastic people. So I, I have no shortage of people wanting to be on the show and finding guests is now very easy but at that time it wasn't and Vicky really helped me she introduced me to a network to some people who were able to help with that although I still made a few poor choices of guests in my earlier days of the show not that they were bad people or bad guests really just perhaps not the best fit for what I really wanted to talk about and for what I really wanted the show to be about there are so many lessons though about sometimes when I've said no to people and I didn't think they were a right fit for the show, sometimes people have come back and said, yeah, but what about this? What about this? Oh, I think you're making the wrong choice. And I give them another chance. And sometimes I've changed my mind on that. And then usually when it gets to the recording, I realize my first decision was the right one. And so I've learned perhaps to trust my intuition a bit more than that, because I don't think intuition is some sort of ethereal magical force. I think really it is that sense of all the things that you're maybe not consciously aware of, but you do get a sense of. And I think we should trust our intuition more in general. So I've learned to do that. And I feel that I've got a lot better at identifying who I think would be a good guest for the show and who wouldn't, especially now as I do have more of an ability to pick guests and to invite people onto the show as well. So there are cases where because I'm in the public speaking world, because I'm in such big networking organizations where I come across people who are like, who I feel would be perfect guests for the show and I invite them on. A recent example of that would be Moeed Amin, who is in the same business network as me, GBO. And I heard him doing a speech about psychology of persuasion and influence. He works in this sector as well. I brought him onto the show. We had some great chats off air and on air, and you can check that out too. And so I'm always finding people like that. I'm always finding people through the Toastmasters organization. A bit later this year, I've got Errol Leandre booked in as a guest. And he is one of this year's finalists in the World Championship of Public Speaking. Who knows, by, by the time we speak to him, he may well have completed that competition and maybe even won. So that would be nice. Might, might already have an interview with the World Champion of Public Speaking. Uh, certainly hope he'll do very well with that. But that's going to be interesting to talk to him about that, someone who's an amazing speaker and who I spoke with even before that competition had begun. 
And having had a world champion speaker as a guest before, Darren LaCroix was a guest a while back. Again, another person who I asked to come on the show because I thought it would be interesting to talk to someone who'd won a world championship of public speaking. Many people have never even heard or knew that there was a world championship in public speaking. Well, there is, and it happens every year. There are so many challenges to podcasting, and I think the vast majority of them come down to the slow burn nature the long game that needs to be played in podcasting. Unless you have a topic that is already very well known or you already have a big online following, it takes a long time and a lot of effort and promoting and strategizing to grow a podcast. It takes a lot of appearing on other people's shows, it takes a lot of time on social media engaging and, and many other things besides. And even then, podcast audience growth can be slow. But like many things, it does tend to hit a tipping point at some point. But if you think that you can start a podcast and you're going to be able to live off the money from that within a few months, then you're probably going to be very much mistaken. And to be honest, that could be fairly true for almost any business. Like most new businesses that people want to start their own business, it can take two or three years to make a business profitable. And I think that's probably somewhat true with podcasting as well. So I don't recommend, unless you really know what you're doing with podcasting, and even then it could be a challenge, I don't recommend giving up your job and jacking it all in to start a podcast and thinking that that's going to be it. I would more recommend do what you can with the podcast, do it alongside what you already do if you possibly can, and transition yourself into doing it full time if that's what you're aiming to do. But know that it might well take two to three years to do that. When I actually started thinking this is something I want to do more of, I started hearing people saying that it probably took around two years, 100 episodes published kind of thing to get to a point where things really started to grow. My experience so far is that that's probably true. I think there are some shortcuts that you can take, especially if you have the money to put into it. Because some of the advertising and some of the things that you can do that can shortcut your growth is expensive. So if you're doing this on a limited budget, like I have been, if you don't really have or, or don't really want to be throwing money into a podcast, because right now it's just a hobby or an interest that you hope could be something more, then it will take you a lot longer. And in that sense, it's important to understand that the average podcast gets somewhere around 26 downloads per episode. That's not a lot, right? And so you can understand perhaps how people lose heart. And at that stage, there are some who might dismiss that and say, well, it's just probably just your friends and family listening. Maybe that is somewhat the case, but there are some who aren't as well. I've taken generally the philosophy of if there's even one person who's getting value from what I'm doing and I'm enjoying this as well, then I'm going to keep going. And that is possibly what has kept me going. My love of doing this, it's not a love of hearing my own voice. Well, I don't think it is. It's a love of talking about what I love talking about. It's passion for the subject and somewhat passion for podcasting as well. I get to have conversations with wonderful people every week. 
sometimes more than once a week. And the, the deeper into this I get, the more I connect with even more amazing people. I have, in the last few months, been recording incredible shows with amazing guests, some of who you may never have heard of. And they are just the best. This is a really important thing with podcasts, actually. My first big name guest was introduced to me from one of my other guests. She was also amazing. Uh, Lee Hayes uh, was fantastic and, and talked about being a booking agent for speakers. And that was a great show. And she introduced me to Mike Michalowicz and helped set up getting Mike on my show. It was a limited time slot, you know, for someone who has like a 45 to an hour long show, 20 to 25 minutes didn't seem like a lot, but 20 to 25 minutes with Mike Michalowicz, I just thought, I just need to be super prepared for this. So it's one of the few times that I actually wrote the questions down that I most wanted to ask and made sure that I hit every beat that I wanted to hit and respected Mike's time as much as possible, although I think I may have pushed the limit of that when we spoke. However, there was still a lot of value in that. But other podcasters may have this experience as well. You get your first well-known author or big name or TV star or anything like that on your show, and suddenly you think, oh, I've made it now. I'm a serious podcaster now. People are going to tune into my show do you have any idea how many podcasts someone like Mike Michalowicz goes on? It must be hundreds. He has his own podcast as well. He is somewhat ubiquitous in the podcasting world, which is a great place to be. But what is the reason for somebody to listen to him on my podcast as opposed to listening to him on the Tim Ferriss show or whoever? I don't know if he's been on that, to be honest, but to listen on to him on a podcast of somebody who's much more well-known than I am, you're probably going to go for the more well-known names, right? So it seems like a big win. And in some sense it is, because it's great to get experience of speaking to people like that and to get connected with them. I think it's a much more powerful connection. Oh, I've had that person on my podcast. Then, oh, I got my photo taken with that person, which doesn't mean a lot, really. If you can actually show you've had a conversation with that person and you got to ask them questions and maybe even got a bit of guidance from them along the way, great. That's fantastic, but it's not necessarily going to grow your audience because unless they are willing to promote you and your show with them to their big audience, it's probably not going to help you nearly as much as you think. That's just the reality of it. And this is why it's important to manage expectations with all of this. I don't doubt that there are some shows that just click and resonate or get lucky and get the big audience very, very quickly. Or they have the strategy, they have the experience, they have the team and the money behind it, and they can grow super fast. That happens, but not for the majority of podcasters. And, and it's not what's happened for me. But I have, I have some favorite shows. And whilst I love almost, I know, I'm proud of all the content that I have online. Some of the shows that do stand out the most for me, perhaps, are, are getting to chat with people like Mike McCallowitz, Daniel Priestley, who has been a big inspiration for me as an entrepreneur on my journey, having read 
all of his books, I think, most of them, and having him agree to be on the show, I had to be very persistent with that. It wasn't easy, and I had to follow up with him through multiple channels, but luckily for me, I was already connected with him, and he agreed to come on the show, and for me, it was a great chat. Dana Farrant, who you may not have heard of, but it's just one of the nicest people, and we had a chat about her having been formerly in the SNM world as a dominatrix and bringing her experience from that into what she does now professionally as a speaker and empowering women. Incredible. She's still one of my favorite people. She's become a very dear friend since doing that show as well. And she came back later to talk about her experience of escaping from a cult. Donald Robertson as well, who I have looked up to for the longest time, an expert in stoicism, multiple books about stoicism. We got the chance to talk about his, at the time, newest book, which was How to Think Like a Roman Emperor, where he actually talked about Marcus Aurelius and Marcus having this choice between learning from the sophists and the orators, the sophists being the the showy, flourished speakers with all the fancy ways, and the orators being the more heartfelt, message, mission kind of speakers. And it was very much those two worlds. That still parallels with a lot of today's speaking world, a lot of today's influence and persuasion stuff, that there are some people out there doing really slick shows who have all the image and all the stuff that looks and sounds great, the sound bites, the looks, the trappings of success and the slick camera work and, and all of this. And then there's the people who have the real heartfelt message, the real connection, the authenticity and the desire, the mission to make a difference in the world, to change the world for the better, there are perhaps more and more people now who fall between that, who are able to be on both sides of that equation, to offer the attractive-looking messaging and the heartfelt messaging, not just the slick, slick sales that are superficial, but deeper messages presented in a much more entertaining way. Matthew Dix as well. I read Matthew Dix's book, Story Worthy, and it blew me away. And it's one of those books that I don't, I just didn't think anyone who was that successful at what they do would give away that much of the secrets of what they do to the point where you could do it. <laughs> and it blew me away. Uh, in terms of storytelling, so many people out there talking about storytelling and how to do it and what to do. And nothing, nothing really has given me as much of a resource for storytelling as Matthew Dick's book, Storyworthy. Whilst there are many other good books about storytelling and, and many other great teachers around that, Matthew has been one of my favorites. And having two episodes of that show where I got to speak to him and the conversation was fantastic. I learned even more and I know that there's going to be more great stuff coming from him in the future. He's someone who will have back again, I hope, and will continue those conversations. But an incredible person to learn from. I'll thank Ash Borland as well because Ash has been brilliant. He's not only become a friend, but has done a great show with me about content marketing and he's doing very well with his own podcast and his own information online about content marketing and is just a super nice guy, has been so much fun and, and has helped me. Hopefully we've helped each other. He certainly helped me a lot off the podcast as well. 
with things to do with podcasting and social media and, and stuff like that. And it's just been so giving of time and energy and, and super helpful and, and super nice. Even around the time that his daughter was born, he was still helping me and other people and, and being there for his network. And so I, I really appreciate Ash and, and I love the episode with him as well. Amy Rowlandson stands out for me as well as someone who is an incredible podcaster, possibly the most organized person I've ever met. I'm inspired by that and I can't even aspire to that myself because I, I don't think I will ever be as organized and on top of things as she is. However, she is an inspiration and she's an incredible podcaster. She has a fantastic show that's doing very, very well. I had the honor of being a guest on her show and having her as a guest on my show too. And they were some quite different conversations, the different styles of shows, but a lot of fun all around. And someone who I continue to follow and learn from and is a wonderful person to be following and connected with online. Simon Lancaster was a big win for me. And someone who I thought, much like Mike Michalowicz, must go on all sorts of podcasts all the time. That turned out not to be the case. If you don't know who Simon is, he's a political speechwriter. He teaches speechwriting and he has some very well-known, very well-watched TEDx talks. One of them is called The Language of Leadership. That's where I first came across him. I've watched many of his talks. I have read several of his books and he is an incredible person to speak to. And it was my persistence again with him, really wanting him as a guest on the show, that got him to ultimately agree to come on. And I hope he had a good experience. I'd love to have him back again in the future. It is my most downloaded episode so far and continues to be one of my favorites because he shared so much good stuff and is not generally someone who you find on podcasts. It's not a strategy that he's been following particularly. That might change in the future, but it was a great chat a great opportunity for me to talk to someone who I've learned so much from and some other people I, I do need to quickly mention would be people like Jeremy Nicholas um, Darren LaCroix Lauren Walburn Joe Martin Karen Anglin Jules Wyman Stephanie Scheller and, and many more besides Cindy Ashton and goodness so, some incredible shows and so many amazing guests. Really, I could run through the whole list, but but these are shows and topics that have stood out for me along my way. These are perhaps the shows that if someone says to me, oh, which of your shows should I listen to? Those are some of the names you're probably going to hear from me. And this time next year, you might hear something of a different list from me because I've already been getting more and more incredible guests coming through. Some of those episodes not published yet and plenty of amazing people lined up for the next year as well. So what does the future hold for speaking influence? Many more amazing guests, that's for sure. I think you've probably got that by now. And probably more shows a week. I'm trying to get at least two shows out a week now. It's challenging because I am doing my own editing and audio engineering. And it does take time sometimes. Some episodes are easier to edit than others. However, thanks to tools like Descript, I'm getting quicker and quicker at doing that and uh, other resources I have online as well. Thanks to Buzzsprout as well for all the help I get from them and the support and they have been celebrating with me. I published my show through Buzzsprout. They 
do a great job of encouraging creators and celebrating the milestones with people as well and providing resources on a weekly basis that help you not just to grow your show but to improve the quality of what you're putting out as well and make it more valuable for the people who are listening so the guys at buzzsprout they are amazing and when people ask me for a recommendation for a podcast provider buzzsprout is the one that i would give them i've been with them since i started the show and i highly recommend it i've tried other platforms and even use another platform for some of my other shows but Buzzsprout has been my favorite and I'm probably going to keep speaking influence on that same platform as it goes on into the future. The show now is much more defined in terms of what we're actually going to be talking about with a stronger focus on influence and persuasion than ever before which is still going to include public speaking and presentation skills to some degree but not necessarily all the time And so we'll still bring on professional speakers and trainers and coaches and the likes, and we'll talk about those things. But we're also going to be talking about people who have generated influence, perhaps in the political world, perhaps making change in other ways or through broadcasting in other mediums and whatever ways people have created influence and persuasion. We'll talk more about public relations. We'll talk more about marketing. We'll maybe hopefully talk more about mind control and and religious cults and marketing cults and things like that as well. So there's still a lot of scope for the show and we are still going to keep it talking about the psychology and application of influence and persuasion on any platform, particularly focusing on ethical influence and persuasion. Although sometimes we will focus on unethical influence and persuasion, primarily so that you know what it is and that you will be hopefully able to defend yourself against it. Something we talked about in episode 100 was that if you don't know about things like rhetoric, and let's face it, most people don't, if you don't know what rhetoric is or how to use it effectively or when it's being used on you, you are at its mercy. It will be doing its thing on you without you even being aware that it's happening. It's only really if the tools of rhetoric start to get overused that we might start to get some understanding about what those tools are and they may lose some of their effectiveness. But the thing is, rhetoric in general has been around since the time of Aristotle, who was one of the people who first studied it in terms of lawyers and politicians, which is still primarily where it's used. Law and politics is where you generally will come across it, where it's still mostly taught. To study what was most effective in people's communication, the heart of that has not changed. The tools and principles of that has not changed in two and a half thousand years. So whilst there may be some evolution and whilst there are aspects of influence and persuasion we understand now, perhaps not as much as people did then that we understand more now, we get mind control things more now, we we understand how we understand how different things can manipulate people rather than persuade them in a healthy way. And interestingly, at the time of recording this, I'm listening to the audiobook of How to Write Copy That Sells by Ray Edwards. And it's a really good book on copywriting. A recommendation I got from a group that I'm in with Chris Ducker, who I'm learning a lot from at the moment. And it's a really helpful book. And one of the distinctions that Ray makes in the book is about the difference between manipulation and persuasion. 
that persuasion is a good thing. Persuasion is about getting people to do something that they want to do. Maybe they don't know about it or they don't know how to do it. So persuasion is helping them doing something that's good for them. Manipulation is getting people to do something that perhaps they don't want to do, but you want them to do. And that would be the difference. So persuasion, as Dan French said on my last episode, is nothing to be scared of. Manipulation, we should watch out for, but we don't always see it. So a big part of the mission on my show that hasn't changed is arming people with the tools, the practices, the psychology of influence and persuasion so that you can use it ethically to help get your truth, your message out into the world as people like Aristotle and Plato originally wanted it to be used for. And to be able to defend yourself when manipulation is being used to influence or persuade unethically, to manipulate, that we can fight that and we can do something about it. And as Dan French said, we can have our rhetorical version of Guardians of the Galaxy and be able to fight back against what is wrong and what is unethical. And there's so much of that in the world right now. We see it around us all the time. As we learn more, as we empower ourselves, as knowledge like this comes out of the smaller elite levels of society where it has often been guarded and kept and is in the hands of more and more people, we become more empowered and we become more able to share truths and messages and visions and missions and purposes with the world and with people and to make the world a better place. These honestly are the tools of change, the tools of transformation. There's a purpose for becoming more influential and persuasive, which is to share your truth, your mission with the world. The more you can do that and the more that you can specifically fight and target the unethical uses of influence and persuasion, the manipulators, the narcissists, the sociopaths, the power grabbers, who are using these kinds of tools unethically, the more we can fight that and create a world with more fairness, with more equity, where more people care about making the world a better place, where less people are resigned to that's just the way it is, where less people are living in apathy and more people feel empowered and able to do something about it. That is what my mission is. That's what the mission of this show is. That's the purpose. It's not just to get you more money in your business. It may help to do that. It may help you with your marketing, with your content creation and things like that. But what I hope that this show helps with most of all is to take what your vision, mission and purpose is for a better world and put that out there and make your difference on the planet. And that's it. That's what Speaking Influence is here for. And if you're here for that, I look forward to you staying with me as the journey continues to the to 200 episodes, to 10,000 downloads and beyond. Thanks for your time listening today. I always ask my guests at the end of their episodes for book recommendations, and I read a lot, and I want to give you a book recommendation today as well. If you want to really understand aspects of influence and persuasion, one of the best things that you could do is read the new and revised version of Robert Cialdini's book, Influence the Psychology of Persuasion. It will give you the seven key ways in which influence and persuasion operates and how, and some very practical guidance on how to implement that into your own life. 
There's a link in the show notes. There's also a link to support the show. Please subscribe if you haven't already done so and share the show. Maybe this episode, maybe episodes with guests you'd prefer to share out, but please do share the show as well. It's what makes the biggest difference to us. It's what helps us to keep growing. Join us again for Speaking Influence, where we'll continue talking about the psychology and application of ethical influence on professional platforms and any platform in life as well. Thanks for your support on the journey so far and go and make great things happen. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, please make sure you put something into action that you learned here today. And of course, subscribe to the show if you haven't already done so. If you'd like to support the show, one of the best ways for you to do that is to share our episodes with your network. Now, of course, share the episodes that you love, perhaps more than the ones that you don't, but word of mouth makes a huge difference to us. And you can now support the show financially as well, even just by buying me a coffee. For five US dollars a month, you can help make the Speaking Influence podcast an even bigger and better show. There's also a membership level where you can get exclusive access to our live stream recordings to be in the virtual studio with us and exclusive Q&A time with our show guests, as well as advanced information of the shows and guests that are coming up. To do that, visit the Supercast page in the show notes or in the YouTube description. For now, see you next time and go and make great things happen.